Hey, and welcome to episode number one. I'm Yasha, and today I wanted to talk about airflow. I'm going to break it up into three different parts. In part one, I'll talk about airflow, what it is, a bit of history. In part two, I'll discuss one of the plugins for airflow called Great Expectations. And in part three, I'll go over a quick overview of data landscape or ecosystem and, and how does Airflow and Great Expectations fit into that landscape. All right. So Airflow. In the last episode, in episode number zero, I brought up how Airflow was something I learned uh, most recently. And I actually did a presentation about it at work. So Airflow, the way that the authors of the tool describe Airflow is a quote, a platform created by the community to programmatically author, schedule, and monitor workflows. So essentially, you can use code to build out different pipelines of various tasks. Airflow was started in October 2014 by a guy named Maxime uh, Bocamet. I'm hoping I'm saying it correctly. It's a French dude. And he was working at Airbnb. It was open sourced from the very beginning, from the very first commit, and then officially brought under the Airbnb GitHub accounts and announced in June 2015. So it's been about, what, seven, seven years since then? It's at version 2.5 at the moment. And today it has almost 30,000 stars on GitHub, which is impressive. Apparently, it uh, when it was first released, it took the community by storm. There are a lot of people interested in it. Uh, a lot of companies started using it. It was more or less of a, of a newcomer into the data ecosystem the way that at least the way that they were handling workflows. Previously, you could write workflows in languages like XML, where you couldn't import various tools. However, being able to do this in Python, you kind of had a range of different possibilities now available for you, like importing different libraries. And so the, the tool itself is written in Python, just like any other data tool nowadays. Although on that, I also recently looked into Rust and how Rust is used in the data landscape as well. Apparently, there is a growing community in that space. So maybe something I'll uh, do an episode on later on. But back to Airflow. Airflow is essentially a workflow orchestrator. It allows you to set up a workflow consisting of series of steps, or they call them tasks, that flow in one direction. Being able to do this, separating these different tasks from one another, it leads to obviously decoupling them. It's really great for being able to structure your code in a way where one task doesn't isn't necessarily aware of the other task. It also manages dependencies between the tasks for you. So things like waiting for a successful run from all previous tasks or running a specific task when something has failed. So you can kind of like branch out and, and do different actions depending on the logic. 
of what, like how your workflow runs went. It also has retrying logic. So you can specify on per task basis how you would like to retry. So if something has failed, okay, retry up to three times, for example. There are lots of plugins available, or they call them operators, we'll get into them. And they allow you to run various types of tasks. For example, you can run some task on uh, Kubernetes cluster, on JKE, let's say, which is great. By default, you either kind of run a bash operator or a Python operator. We'll, we'll get into all the other operators as well, but those are like part of the core of Airflow. But the biggest feature of Airflow is all the metadata that it comes with, that it gives you about your tasks. Metadata, like how long did a task take to run? How many failed runs do we have today? It's honestly very extensive and it's extremely valuable information when you uh, need to kind of understand the health of, uh, of your data pipelines. And traditionally, if you were to create your own platform like this, you're going to have to be able to implement these things as well. Uh, whether do you need the UI, how are you going to actually monitor your, and your tasks and observe them? So creating one on your own is actually a lot of work. Now, in terms of operators that it comes with, uh, like I said, by default, kind of the core operators are Bash, Operator Python, email. So you can send an email uh, as part of your task. So let's say I can write some Bash code that will, I don't know, read a file from some URL. And then based on the uh, uh, file contents, let's say if there are 50 characters or less, I would like to send an email for some reason because I'm expecting 51 character at least. So you can kind of make your workflow that you would write in Python, but then have these different operators that would represent different tasks and therefore uh, do the actual work. There are also other operators that are provided by the community. The Airflow community is huge. There are a lot of operators. I uh, looked into them today and there is honestly such a big list of them. Operators are essentially integrations with different services, different software. Some of the other ones include uh, a simple HTTP operator, which is just make an HTTP call to some endpoints, MySQL operator, so you can, for example, dump some, like write some data into a database, Postgres operator, Docker operator. So this one's interesting because you can write your code in any other language, put it into a Docker image, and then have a Docker operator that would start your code with using the image you specified and do the thing that you want to do. So you're not only limited to Python or Bash, which is great because, you know, uh, doing a lot of logic, a lot of this logic in a language you might not be familiar with, or maybe you already have a, a big code base of existing code that you would want to reuse. So it would be uh, time consuming to just have to rewrite all of that. Uh, there is another 
operator that kind of allows you to move your code around and kind of bring your own code type of thing rather than rewrite it is Kubernetes operator, like I mentioned before. There is a Slack API operator, PagerDuty operator, Ops Genius. So if there is like an, an alert that you want to send or a Slack message, uh, you can easily do that without writing a lot of code. Airflow also has sensors. Sensors are basically operators, except they will listen to changes of a specific resource. And whenever the change happens, it would actually run your code. So for example, I would like to start my workflow whenever a specific database query succeeds with specific results. So I would put a sensor at the very beginning of my workflow. And whenever that sensor passes, it would then proceed on to the ne next task. Or if I have a file on some FTCP server or a file in GCS or S3, and whenever that file updates, I would like to start my workflow. So there are also a lot of different sensors available. I would recommend looking into them if you're trying to implement Airflow for yourself or for your work or just playing with it. All right, now moving on to one of the operators that uh, Airflow has is uh, Great Expectations. So Great Expectations is a validation tool. It's not only an Airflow operator, it actually integrates with other orchestrators as well, or you can run it locally through a CLI, which is great, especially for local developments. So like I said, it's a validation tool. It allows you to set up different quote-unquote ex expectations of your data and to test it against them. So in other words, it's a test suite to test for data quality. And honestly, this was the reason why I started looking into Airflow is we were looking for a tool that will test our data quality so that we don't have to ingest large files if those files are corrupt, for example. And I stumbled upon Great Expectations as well as there were a few other options as well. Uh, and Great Expectations would essentially integrate with your Airflow pipeline very, very easily uh, since it comes in with an operator. However, there is a bit of work that needs to be done to actually set it up. Their docs are awesome. They help me through setting everything up. Uh, their setup guide really, really helps you through it. What kind of inputs can great expectations have? Like, where does, does it get the data from? Well, it can read data, databases, files, or uh, data frames. So it's pretty flexible in terms of uh, how you load the data. And as a result, by using this tool, you get high quality data, you get data docs and quality reports. And you can set up logging and alerting based on those quality reports like Slack notifications. The data docs are essentially these generated human readable HTML pages they're showing validation results on aggregated data. So for example, the validations or expectations is what they call them, could be, okay, I'm expecting to see this many columns or I'm expecting to see, uh, let's say column, I don't know, if we're talking about list of countries, I'm expecting to see the population numbers 
not to change by like more than, I don't know, 5%. And if it does, like send me an alert. Or that every single name column must be unique and it must be there. So uh, there are honestly so many different expectations that you can use. There is over 300 of them. And if none of them fit, you can like fit your needs, you can write your own. So it's a really cool tool to validate your data that's very flexible, very portable, easy to work with. I recommend looking into it as well. And it works with many different data sources through connectors. So it can read different types of databases, not just BigQuery, for example, but it can read your SQL database as well. All right, so that was part two. Now, part three, the whole data landscape. Great expectations are great. Now, let me talk a bit about data ecosystem or the data landscape. What kind of tools are available? Where does the Airflow orchestrator and great expectations fit into it? So honestly, there is so many different tools available in this space. And it's easy to kind of get lost and be confused in terms of, oh, is this similar to that? Or is, is uh, you know, are they the same things or are they different? So for the purposes of specifically great expectations and airflow, I'm going to divide this landscape into kind of three different categories. But again, I'm going to omit a lot of layers to this because there are so many of them and I can't get through them here. And honestly, they're just going to be distracting. The whole point of this is to just see where does great expectations and airflow fit into kind of the big picture. So I would divide it into three layers. We kind of start with the bottom layer, infrastructure. This is where our data sources, our streaming platforms exist. So stuff like Kafka and Apache Flink for streaming or data sources, Amazon S3 and uh, Google Cloud Storage. This is where we get our information from. Now, next layer is data operations. And this is where both great expectations and airflow live. I would put them at least into two different categories here. The first one being orchestration. So airflow is one of the tools. There is another one that's newer and it tries to solve a lot of problems that airflow has. It's called prefect. Not perfect. Prefect, I uh, was making this mistake for a while until I really looked at the letters and realized it's prefect. Dagster is another one. Argo, specifically Argo Workflows. It's a Kubernetes native orchestrator, workflow orchestrator that essentially allows you to define different Kubernetes resources. And these resources are defined in well, YAML, just like the rest of your Kubernetes resources. So it tends to be familiar and it runs natively on your Kubernetes cluster, which is pretty easy to set up if you're already using a Kubernetes cluster. Flight is another option for an orchestration tool. Now, uh, the other subcategory of data ops is data quality. So here we have great expectations. 
a tool called Anomalo. Hopefully I'm pronouncing it correct. I don't know. I've never personally used it, but it's there. Monte Carlo, a very popular tool. And then another one is called Big Eye. All right. So this is it for data ops. The other, the top layer of all of this. So we got on the bottom infrastructure, then data ops. And then at the very top is, well, we need to consume this data. So consumption layer. And within this layer, we have data processing like Apache Spark or Pandas. And then visualization. So anything that lets you kind of just see your information in like a table or a graph, like Looker and Redash. I think one of the important things to keep in mind is whatever tool you choose for your orchestrator, you should consider how am I going to deploy this and operate it. I'm not a Airflow uh, expert, so I would prefer if there was a tool that runs it for me. So uh, luckily, the, there are a few. There is one that's probably the most popular one. It's it's a company called Astronomer. And they're actually behind a lot of Airflow documentation that I found online. There is also GCP. Well, GCP has a tool called Composer that is essentially an Airflow-hosted solution. And then AWS has one as well. I forget what's it called right now. Something to do with workflows, I believe. Well, that's everything for this Airflow podcast. I'm hoping you learned something useful. And I, I would love to know if there is an orchestrator that you're already using at work. Is it Airflow? Is it something else? Or maybe you build one yourself. Let me know. I will post this question in the Q&A section of the podcast. I would like to close with a little bit of what I have learned this week. I did a, a bit of a surface level dive into Rust, like I mentioned, or specifically how is Rust used for data pipelines. And one of the tools that came across is a tool called Polars or Polars, not sure, P-O-L-A.R-S. And it's a lightning fast data frame library for Rust and Python. So it's comparable to Pandas. The way that it's different is that it's using Arrow, Apache Arrow, as a in-memory data structure, which essentially enables efficient resource use and processing performance. And by doing so, it also integrates seamlessly with other tools in the Arrow ecosystem, which is a whole other topic. There are so many different tools that work with Arrow. Uh, somebody did a comparison to Pandas. Pandas tends to run much slower than Polar's. Like we're talking about magnitude 7 to 10x, which is insane. Why would you use Pandas right now? Of course, there are ways to optimize Pandas, like with Dusk or using better queries. But with Polars, it all kind of comes out of the box. So I said it's a library for Rust and Python. The tool itself is written in Rust. However, you can use it inside of your Rust code or inside of your Python code, which is nice. It is familiar from the start because it actually borrows a lot of syntax from Pandas. 
Polars has 16.2 thousand stars on GitHub. So it's a really popular library right now. And in general, I would definitely suggest looking into Rust for your next data pipeline and see if it's feasible for you. It, it is a bit of a learning curve to learn it. The syntax is much more confusing than Python's, but at the end of the day, it allows you to write applications that are more type safe and much faster than your Python code. All right, I think this is it. Thank you for listening. I will see you next time. Mm-hmm.